things that we've been in for 14 months. I'll be reading chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever. Amen. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inspired, true word. Father, bring us into a deep sense of your presence in the words of this text. Help our unbelief. Help us evermore grow in falling into your care and arms and trust you in all things. In life. Amen. So we come now to one of the greatest promises in all the Bible. And I say that because I, in my understanding of what he's saying here, this promise incorporates all the promises. Verse 19, and my God shall supply every need of yours. Philippians, Sovereign Gracians, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So Paul, he's closing the letter. He's just said, thank you, thank you. And he's told them this is awesome evidence of the work of Christ in you as you're storing up treasures in heaven and in, in your generous giving. And now, my God. Who's that? It's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David. It's Yahweh who revealed himself personally to us in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, he will supply every need of yours. That's comprehensive. What, what, what I mean is, in, the, in this text, you could be tempted, because even the context, it, it, it's been about money. That buys clothes and food and sustenance and roofs over your head. And they have given and given and given. And so then Paul says, in response, God will supply all your need. But he does not just mean here need in the sense of the physical. 
which is money and the things that money can buy. I think what Paul is doing here is he's wrapping up. It's just about done. The things that he said, he knows what they and every Christian in this life's journey needs. Like in chapter 1, you need to stand firm in the faith, not being frightened by your opponents. The church of Jesus needs <laughs> that enabling today. In chapter 2, Paul just pressed them for unity as brothers and sisters in Christ. How? Through humility. Through following Jesus' example. In chapter 3, press on for the goal for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I tell you, whether you know it or not, you, you have a need. You have a need of enablement to, to do that. Paul is saying, anything it takes to get you through, that's your need. See, and the reason that I say not merely f- just financial here, Though Paul could say that at, at some time, and, he, and it includes that when it's needed. But in the context, they have given generously to the offering for Paul in Rome. And then Paul says, okay, that's great. I am very thankful. Absolutely. But then he pushes it and said, what I'm really, really happy about is what is stored up in heaven for you. What I'm happy about is what is accruing, growing, the gain of you spiritually. So for him then to say now, now that, you know, anything you need to buy and want to buy, that you would have it. I don't think that's what he's saying. Well, you don't include that. And she says in the text, well, how will God do this? I love it. He'll do it according to his bank account. He'll do it according to everything that is in there about life. That is according to his riches. In glory. In Christ Jesus. Jesus will return in glory one day and wrap it all up. In him, the Godhead dwells bodily. There is an infinite, without end, supply, bank account, Paul says, for anything you need. He he won't ever be in a place where I wish I could meet the need, but I just don't have it. All the glory that is in Christ, all his ability to supply you from his treasure of glory is available to every child of God in Christ Jesus right now in this life during sanctification. That's the promise. Okay, let's hold it there, but we know 
Paul said in the book of Acts, and I, I can, you know, I could take a hundred of these, but through many trials and tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Well, what are trials than something like, it's not what I need. I wouldn't be in this trial if I had what I think I need here. So is he supplying my need? Paul said in Philippians, he's already promised, not, not, not only this glory that he came down and reached it and sovereignly grabbed hold of you, but also called you to suffer. Put that together with, he's going to supply all my, all my need. Well, he will. When, when you need that food, it'll be there. When you need discipline from the Father, it'll be there. When you need training, when you need fiery trials, it'll be there. When out of the blue, unexpected supply of money or finances, and many of us have experienced that, he did that. It was there. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So, we got to define need, don't we? So, think about it. It isn't much of what we think are needs as human beings defined by our goals if your goal is to my here's my goal in life i, I want to live in a, a four million dollar mansion on the cliff of the pacific ocean and have a maserati and a porsche a brand new ones this is my goal then you will say if you're not there my needs are not met. Or to, to, to make it simpler, if you plan to go out to lunch today in a restaurant, okay, there, there, there's a goal. You have need of money to do that. If, if last week you, you wanted to get to Dallas in order to comfort your mother, you had need of a plane. So it, that's what's defining it. What's your goal? And so here's the question. Tried it. We've got to try through Paul's pen and what we know. Okay. What is Paul's goal in his mind when he makes such a radical proclamation about God? Paul, what is the goal when you say he's going to meet every need? To what goal? I think he would answer. Can you read what I, the letter I just wrote? He, he would answer that you persevere, that you glorify God. He'll meet every goal of yours as you're walking his route here that he's called you to walk. 
every need will be met. And that's verse 22, right after, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. So, I, I, you know, some of you weren't in kinds of churches that I had, I had been in, but look, this promise is not like a segment of Christianity teaches. This promise of guaranteed richness in your society, prosperity financially. Re remember, Paul just said in verse 12, look down, in this very context, in any and every circumstance, I, Paul, have learned the secret of facing plenty financially and hunger, abundance and need. He said, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And his point is that Christ then, he provides me, Paul, all my needs, including the need to be content in plenty. Or with lack of what I would prefer. That's where Paul's driving. The promise is that God will supply us with everything that we need to keep on doing His will and glorifying Him in our lives. So, in the context, right, what he's saying to these Philippians you can give of your resources and you can give and give and not fear for my God will supply your needs. You can trust Him. All right, that's my basic interpretation of verse 19. Now I want to turn to someone else's interpretation of Philippians 4.19. Turn to Matthew 6, 24 to 34. Okay, maybe Paul got it from Jesus. But one of the great things is we're going to be slowly reading through this. Isn't it wonderful that first, it seems first and foremost, Jesus does not want us to be anxiety-ridden. Listen to him. He, he just, he's, he doesn't hammer us. He, in, in the context here, even as Paul's talking about money and the danger of it, and the beauty of it in giving it. Jesus never comes across as that person, give or serve me or do this, don't do that. You should be afraid of me. It's not what he does. But instead he says, serve. Wow. 
walk with me. Follow me. Give because I'm your Lord who will meet every need of yours. Seek you first the kingdom of God before everything else. And all these basic needs of life, they will be given to you. The main point then of what, what we're going to hear here from, from Jesus, don't be wringing your hands in anxiety as if God doesn't care or is not able to supply what you need. Verse 25, do not be anxious about your life. That's pretty all-encompassing. Verse 31, do not be anxious, saying, what, what should we eat? That's pretty normal, Jesus. What should we drink? I need some water. What should we wear? Verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow. So don't be anxious. But that's the negative way he says it then in this, in this passage. The positive way is verse 33. Pursue something. Pursue something before everything. On every day. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all those things will be added to you. So He's saying when you think about your life, your food, your future, your clothing, your rent, a spouse, tithing, serving, He's saying don't. About it. Instead, in your life, recognize the kingdom. Christ is king. He's on the throne. All power and authority has been given to him. He is able and he is sovereign. Place anxieties into him. Say, you've got me. That's Jesus' message. That's Paul's point in chapter 4, verse 19 of Philippians. Seek and obey the King, even in your money. And in so doing, you won't be anxious about it. So let's read and slowly and see some reasons now unfolding why. Jesus says, you don't have to be anxious and thus help us see, oh, that's what he means. My God shall supply every need of yours according to riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Start with verse 24 and 25. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink. 
nor about your body, what you will put on. Why? Next slide. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? For a lot of people, I'm not sure. For dogs, it's pretty much food and sleep. Maybe play or food. Just let me be physically existing and comfortable. And Jesus says, no, no, don't you understand why you're here? But we all know what it is. This is why this is so pertinent, right? We're human beings. We know what it is to be anxious. Anybody been anxious this week? I, I certainly have. Yeah. It's drawn me to this passage to practice it. Don't be anxious about that. Why would you get anxious about food? Well, because I might die if I don't eat. Or, you know, because I want to eat expensive restaurants on a regular basis. So I'm anxious about money. Or I want to wear the right clothes and be cool and be accepted. That means so much to me. And Jesus says, don't you know life is so much more than food or clothing? So he's saying, look, if you're gripped by anxiety over these things. You've, you, 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 okay, you've got to refocus. You've lost, you've lost sight of the greatness of life. That's what he says. Is not life that you have and God gave you more than food and clothing and cars and houses and toys? In other words, life is not given to you like it's given to a dog. You exist, you eat like a dog, and you sleep like a dog, but more than a dog, you're made in the image of God, and life is much more than food and clothing. It is about enjoying God. It is about responding to the one true God. It is about glorifying God. It is not merely about the extension of your physical life so that they put you in the ground at age 90 instead of 60. He's saying we ought not be anxious about food and clothes. Because they cannot provide for us the great things of life. God, worship, eternal life. So when we get anxiety, that's a gift, I'm going to say. Take it and say, oh God. I say, oh yeah, okay, I see that. Because right, Jesus is going to say, oh you of little faith, come on. And we use it and say, God, now help me trust in you. That's his first reason. 
The second reason Jesus gives for not being anxious is in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value, worth, than the birds? Answers, yes, you are. So when we look at birds and stop for a while and contemplate them, it's not a lesson in laziness, for sure. They burrow for worms. They build nests. But Jesus says, God feeds them. And those birds are not ringing their wings. I don't know if He's going to feed me tomorrow. They just concentrate on the day. And He says, do you see the reality, my disciples? You're so much more valuable to my Father than birds. You, and they don't, have the capacity to honor God by trusting Him. Yes, birds are not tempted to anxiety and worry. You are, and thus you have a ground for glorifying my Father by trusting that yes, He will feed me. God values your heart of faith much more than He values birds. So in a way, Jesus says, birds teach us. Trust God. And then the third reason not to be anxious, Jesus says, is in verse 28 to 30. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory, King Solomon, he was not dressed or arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? So it's clear the lilies, grassy field, and look at the lilies come up and the beauty of all nature. You like to see, if you're in the Midwest or the East, the leaves that fall from the trees. God's done that. Jesus is saying. And, and if you know that, then you should know that God loves beauty. And thus there is such a thing as beauty. And if He does it with a vegetable, how much more does He delight to appropriately attire you during this life That's Jesus' message.
He adorns grass. He would adorn you. Really? I think this is where we got to slow down in our own walks with Christ. I think at times most all of us Christians to ourselves we have the thought I'm not so sure about that. Paul, I'm not so sure he supplies all our needs or Jesus that he will so clothe you right now there where we live in the richest country in the history of the world. And we cry about we have poor. Compared to many, many brothers and sisters in Christ around the world today who are really poor and are wearing rags. So Jesus is, is that true? There are Afghan Christians who have needs hiding and running for their lives inside the borders right now. So what I have to do in the mirror for you when we have those thoughts is just at least back up a little bit and just say, wait a minute, is my evaluation correct? Am I sure that I don't think you're clothing the way you promised? We have to ask ourselves this question. By what measure are we measuring whether God is fulfilling His promise right now? Is it by the world's standards or is it by God's calling? Where have you ever seen a disciple of Jesus not having the clothing he or she needed? We all read 2 Corinthians. The same man that wrote, my God shall supply all your needs in Christ Jesus. Well, except mine. It's not what he meant. And yet he tells us time and again, I was shipwrecked. I know what it is to be in the middle of the sea. I know what it is to be without proper clothing and hungry. The man who said, my God shall supply all your Need. So we, we just have to be careful that we don't take something from outside the meaning of the text, worldly standards, instead of understanding God's wisdom in salvation, in sanctification, and in provision that we see, oh, as Paul would say, He does provide. And He has provided for me throughout many harrowing experiences, He would say. And Jesus says, therefore, just your Father knows what you need. He'll provide what you need. 
We also know from Jesus, he would say, don't forget, when we have finished carrying our bloody crosses, often with torn clothes, we will be clothed with kingly apparel. I'm sorry, I thought of Evie. The fourth reason that believers shouldn't be anxious, Jesus says, is verse 31 and 32. And therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Because the Gentiles, the unbelievers, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So there is a sense in fretting about them, it's showing at that moment, Joe, you're acting just like unbelievers. He says, the difference is you're not a dog. The difference is that you know you're called to a high calling, a purpose. You know the reason you exist. You know the reason you have a physical body. You know the reason you need to eat. You know the reason you need to be clothed. You, you, you know the reason you're supposed to be raising these children. And so, not just at times it says, well, I just don't, I, don't, I can't trust God. But it goes worse at times we may feel. He really doesn't care. Still have that, this, or that, or that. I think that, 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 that's, I, I want this. He doesn't care about me. Jesus says, don't go that way. Don't be anxious. The world has nothing eternal to offer you. But the Father knows what you need now in this life and forever in the world to come. And the fifth reason Jesus says don't be anxious in verse 33, as we have seen, is seek first the kingdom of God. And then watch. All these things that you need, they will be given to you. And finally, verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Don't bring tomorrow's troubles back into today in the form of anxiety. Yes, form of wisdom, that's good form of anxiety. No. Believe that God will be there for you tomorrow just as He is there for you today. Trust Him. That's from the commentary of our Lord Jesus. That's, I think, 
a very clear unfolding of Philippians 4.19. So, as, before we close, let's go back now. Remember the context. They're giving and it's accumulating gain for them. It's part of the Christian life. And so Paul can say and imply, give, because my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory. That's the foundation. In other words, because our Father takes care of us, as Christians giving, it is a way of having what you need. Giving in a regular, disciplined way is simply good sense in the light of the promises of God. For, let me give you one. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul writes, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Then he says in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. In other words, Paul is saying the bountiful reaping in verse 6 is explained in verse 8 by God's pledge to give sufficiency for an abundance for good deeds. Okay, I just, this seems to be Paul's way of expressing what we saw last week in Malachi 3.10. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So Jesus says, don't be anxious. I know your needs, and I know the needs of other people that I'm going to meet through you. Jesus says in Luke 6, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. This is not a guarantee of getting rich. It is a guarantee that the Father loves you. And He will meet all your needs 
according to his own riches. In glory in Christ Jesus. Do you know where else Paul said that exact same thing? But with very different words. Just hear it. Romans 8. If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also by His Son graciously give us all What do you need? What you need. The bottom line that every one of us who proclaim Christ need is that we will never be separated from Him no matter what. And that's why Paul went on. Therefore, Nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Because in the midst of this journey of life, He is supplying everything we need according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Let's pray and Worship our King and prepare our hearts to celebrate the foundation of all of that, the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for every need that you have met for some of us decades upon decades as Christians, for others who are fairly new as believers, and yet you meet needs, spiritual needs, relational needs, trials, financial needs. You are good. And may the fruit, the fruit that you so delight in, the fruit of our hearts of faith, day by day, trusting in you, wrestling with you, in the cross, in the glory of Christ, do it, Lord, in us. Amen.